Hi everyone, it's your host Amelia Quint here, and this is Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. It's the best of the stars and those who love them. Today, I want to answer a question. The question I get more than any other in my inbox, in DMs, and even in real life. And that question is, how do I learn astrology? It's a big one, so sit back, relax, and get ready for a wild ride. So, the question of education has been on my mind lately. Is schools consider if or how to reopen in light of the pandemic? And maybe it's one that was bound to come up with the nodes now on what I sometimes think of as the axis of learning and education, with the North Node in Smart Gemini and the South Node in Sage Sagittarius. Anyways, as schools and universities shut down or struggle to keep their doors open and classrooms staffed, people are rightly questioning, what does it mean to get a quality education? What resources and opportunities do we expect when we sign up for instruction? It's a question we think about, or at least I think about, a lot in relation to the astrology community, because we practice within this complicated system that's both rejected by academia, but grounded in a long, rich history. And that's basically a system of measurement, which is math, so there are right and wrong answers. But... Intuition is an ineffable part of the practice, too. It can't be quantified or contained. Can it be taught? Sure, but more on that part later. I was recently asked for an interview, what is astrology? And the question made me laugh. It totally took me by surprise. And I think if you asked 10 astrologers, you'd get 10 different answers. In fact, I recently saw a Twitter thread that asked astrologers to reply with how they defined it, and I'm sure that it got thousands of responses. Um, looking at things from a bird's eye view, astrology is a strange confluence of math, science, art, craft, and spirituality with a little bit of magic thrown in. And because it exists in such a liminal space, it raises all kinds of questions when it comes to actually defining it enough to teach someone else what it is, much less how to practice this craft. So in this episode, I'm going to give some guidance on how to learn astrology at every age of that journey, from the casual horoscope reader to the curious person who just pulled their chart off cafe astrology and is now confused as hell because those little boxes are the worst. Um, even if you're a practice mystic, there's definitely something for you here too, I promise. There will be my super secret list, not so much anymore, of my favorite astrology books um, to help get you started no matter what stage of this journey you're at, um, guidance on what to look for in a teacher, and lots more, including the astrology of learning and communication. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it because there's a lot to cover with this topic. So first, Let's just go. How do you learn astrology? Um, you know, if someone comes to me and they're like, I just read a horoscope. Astrology seems pretty cool. I vibe with my sun sign. What do I do next? My advice is to teach yourself the fundamentals. When I say the fundamentals, I'm talking about the basic building blocks of astrology, those layers of the delicious layer cake that we know as the natal chart. So we're talking planets, signs, houses, aspects, and then transits as well. 
Um, those things, there's, again, since astrology has had this internet boom, there's just do a cursory search and you can find so much. And again, I'm going to provide books that can help you with this. But I think learning those very fundamental things and finding out the pieces of the natal chart are going to put you even above and beyond just the casual observer. The minute that you think there's something different about this, go out, pull your chart on a chart calculator. I recommend astro.com. Um, and find out what your chart is. Find out your sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign um, and, and learn what that means for you. If you have Venus in Virgo, what does that mean for your relationships? And as you dive in, I'm sure that you'll find ways to go deeper and deeper with it. The next phase of being a beginner, once you've explored those rudimentary, very beginner things, is getting curious. I I actually created this podcast after listening to Jonathan Van Ness's Getting Curious podcast because I was so obsessed with and and absolutely admired the way that he had guests on that were so knowledgeable in their fields. And even though he was not an expert in any of them, that curiosity just radiates off of him. Um, and, And through that curiosity, he learns these incredibly advanced concepts of neuroscience or the inner workings of the political machine or Olympic gymnastics. It just really is an outstanding thing. So I cannot recommend curiosity highly enough. And here are a couple of ways to get curious about astrology and get yourself started. So A number one, learn to use the astro theme and astro.com search functions. So there is a search online where on Astro Theme, you can just search for everybody that has, um, not everybody in the world, but everybody in their database that has, let's say, Sun in Scorpio or Ascendant Libra, right? Um, You can put different combinations together. You could look for everybody that has a Sun in Scorpio and a Libra Ascendant at the same time, right? Um, There's also an aspect search where you can search for everybody that has, let's say, Venus square Neptune, right? So by looking at those celebrities' charts and really thinking critically through what everybody who has that has in common in their story, you can begin to create your own understanding of what those aspects and placements are and how they show up in the world. It's going to make you more independent. And honestly, that's just what being an astrologer is. It's just like clicking that search function over and over um, and, and staying curious and continuing to research. I mean, I'm simplifying it a bit, but that's where it all begins. So go and search, go forth and search. Um, The next way, the way that I definitely learned is to ask your friends nicely if you can read their charts. Don't be creepy. I've seen the memes that are like waiting for those birth details. And let's be honest, we all do it. But yeah, definitely, I, I think it's really important with 
when your astrological obsession is taking off to have boundaries and not pushing on anybody that doesn't want it. But there will be so many friends who will be so grateful that you asked about their astrology chart and they might want to get curious about it with you. And you never know what kind of friendships you will be able to strike up that way. So, you know, that was how I started. And I, I recently moved at the beginning of this year and I packed all of my old notes and writings into a box um, that's huge. It was bigger than I anticipated. My husband ordered like super jumbo moving boxes. And this box was like half as big as I am with, with as much, um, writing in it. And it really, it spoke volumes to me about in 10 years, I've like the physical weight of that made me understand just how much time and energy and devotion I put into this craft. Right. Um, and, and that is a physical talisman of, of what had been done, right? I think, obviously, you don't physically have to write it down, but just thinking, I say that to say, astrology is about time, and it's a practice that takes time, right? Even though there's tons of resources out on the internet, and even though you can get curious about, you know, some people will jump in with like, I'm curious about zodiacal releasing, which is super cool that that's available now. But you got to get those fundamentals first. So there's no shame. And, you know, I learn new things about those core elements of astrology every single day, right? That's the beauty of the chart is that it's like a flower. It's constantly unfolding. Your own chart is like a bloom that's constantly like dropping one more petal to show you one more thing throughout your life. Um, so yeah, it's it's wonderful. And the beginning stage of that journey, if you're on it, just like enjoy it. I wish I could be there with you. It's it's both frustrating and special. So next up is the beginner to intermediate stage. So maybe you you know your signs from your planets, you're still learning about retrogrades and eclipses, that sort of like your astrology um initiate a little bit. Um what I recommend to all of my, my students, my friends, anybody who wants to know, really know astrology in and out, is start an astrology journal. It's a really simple concept. <laughs> get a journal. You can write it on a Google Doc or you could get some like super fancy grimoire talismanic thing, whatever works for you. And every single day, or as many days as you can remember to use it, I recommend doing it as much as you can, write down what all the planets are doing that day, right? So today the sun was in Virgo and the moon is currently in Virgo. Um, and take that through and then take just a minute, doesn't even, just five minutes to write down how you felt that day and how you feel like that is reflected in the stars above, right? It seems so straightforward, but I 100% guarantee you that it will break your practice wide open because ultimately astrology is about that lived experience and the ability to using the stars to explain things, right? So you're going to have so much more depth of knowledge to draw on once you have experienced what it feels like to know that the sun is in Virgo and how that influences you. What what house is that in, in your chart, right? So if Virgo is your 10th house, what sort of events happen in your life relating to your career? I mean, you can make it as long of a practice as you want or as simple, but I promise you, 
it's incredible and I, I still do it. Um, I, I still, especially for my own personal transits, like outer planet transits, I'll take a minute and I'll write in my journal, you know, I'm having um, Neptune square my natal moon and uh, I felt this kind of way. I felt emotional or I had this memory that made me uh, think of this and I think it's related to that. And as you do that um, and as you, from the last piece of this, talk to your friends you'll sort of create this web in your mind of how these things all link and how to actually identify them. Eventually, you'll get to a place where someone will come to you and be like, I'm experiencing X, Y, and Z. And you'll say, oh, I bet that they're having a Saturn transit or I bet they're having a Uranus transit <laughs> because it's, it again, astrology is time. It happens like clockwork. So try it out and if you love it get back to me like let me know what the experience was and let me know if I can support you if you have any questions about what it means to have an astrology journal um next on the the medium side go outside <laughs> um you know astrology can be a very cerebral thing with lots of esoteric concepts but like the stars are real they're in the sky and you can leave your house and look at them. Now, I know that might not be available to everybody, and I know things are difficult with COVID right now, and I know a lot of places have light pollution, um, but if you're able, if you can, even if it's just the moon, go outside and look. Um, learn where the fixed stars are in relation to you. Learn if, you know, Mars is on the horizon, or if you can see all the, you know, all these things are really lovely, and I think there's, I have saw a lot of pictures floating around of, you know, Jupiter and Saturn getting closer and closer to each other in the sky and, and close to the moon. And, you know, that's what ancient astrologers would have seen. They would have looked at it actually up there, right? And, and the magic of that as unifying you with the oldest of old traditions. We all look up at the same stars. That is such a beautiful and mystical concept. Again, just do it enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Okay, so if you're at the intermediate level, I would call this someone who knows the signs from the planets and you also know your retrogrades from your eclipses, but you're looking to deepen your knowledge even more. You're probably going to laugh when you hear me say this because it's so predictable, but dive into mythology. So the planets, the stars, everything in astrology pretty much is named for a myth, a legend, a deity, a spirit. So what better way to get to know them than to read those myths and like fully grok what they mean? Um, you know, there's so much power in that and that's been a really um, major part of my practice. Almost a little bit like astrology is theurgy. Um, for about the last three years, um, I started reading the Homeric hymns and bringing those, yeah, it was as early as 2016, I started sort of bringing the Homeric hymns in as a construct to help understand the way the planets operate, you know, um, especially the example that I always go right to is Neptune, or rather Poseidon, as the earth mover, the earth shaker, and so that making him more of a malefic than a um, let's all go sit in like a prayer circle <laughs> and meditate. Um, so yeah, it really gives you, it makes the planets feel alive. You, you get a sense of the complexity that they bring and the variety of different significances that they have. You know, 
Venus or Aphrodite has a certain personality, right? Um, she can be a little bit of a trickster of her own, right? She's over love and attraction and beauty um, and is a bit jealous to herself, you know? I think um, understanding Mars, you don't have to take it at face value. You can look at myths that have the energy of that. I talked in the Mars Retrograde episode about um, Mars aligning with female warriors like Athena and Sekhmet or even Kali. Um, just try it out. Um, I think go beyond go beyond e the Edith Hamilton book that you had in high school or middle school. Um, know your translations. Know your fagels from your Wilson, right? Like really steep yourself in this stuff. And also don't just learn white people mythology, right? There is such a vast and varied tradition of astrological practice and myths on which they draw. So I would challenge you to diversify the myths that you're actually using and bringing into your, your the umbrella of your astrological philosophy and practice. Um, that doesn't mean appropriate them. I think learning is a way of honoring and, and in some ways understanding. Um, but yeah, there is a fine line there, but it is a really lovely way to open your eyes to all the different ways that these things can work. Um, also, also, <laughs> as you dive into more astrology books, my biggest advice is read the bibliography and read from a variety of perspectives. Don't just read history or astrology from people that are also astrologers. Read history of astrology or astrology adjacent things from historians, from academics, from people who maybe don't even think astrology works, right? Read primary sources of what people actually thought or what they were actually practicing. Don't play telephone. Those things alone will just radically alter your practice. And there's always room for improvement. And there's always, and that doesn't mean that you can't innovate within that. It just means that you have to know the rules to break the rules, right? So become a historian at the middle stage of your practice. It's a very, very important step. Um, when I say become a historian, I also mean become a little bit of a historian of world history and start considering how transits on a worldwide scale, that's mundane astrology, operate, you know, especially with the outer planets. A great place to start if you're just jumping in is the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, which is coming up this December. Um, watch how that plays out on the world stage in politics, in the economy. Um, and look back to past years. It roughly corresponds to American election years with some gaps between. Um, but that's a, that's a great starting point. So again, world history and then also your own personal history. Um, there's something that I do, a practice that I like to call retrospective astrology. And what I mean by that is astrology is awesome for prediction in some forms and fashions. It's even better for learning about the self. But there is so much power in astrology as a tool for reflection, right? We all go through painful experiences, through traumas, or through mountaintop moments. And one way to better understand 
I hesitate to say the purpose word, but at least to put into perspective or the larger context of your life, all of those different experiences is by using astrology, especially considering the transits of the outer planets like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, um, and eclipse cycles to figure out what lessons have you learned in the past and how did it feel when you were learning them. Understanding how transits have influenced you in the past is just one more step towards understanding how they might influence you or someone else that you love in the future, right? Um, so I will use an example from myself. Um, right now, I am going through Jupiter in the second house, which has very much been learning about not just money, but about value, right? Um, learning about how to make money. And the last time that I had that was roughly when I started college um, and ultimately started training in what I would end up making money for, right? So you see these things pile on top of each other. Um, you can look back to be able to look forward and have a better understanding. Um, I hope that you love it. And again, if you have any questions, I'm an open book and I'm always available to answer. Next up, the advanced level. So you are truly an astrology initiate. You've done all of these things that we just talked about or have found your own way. I really want to say right now, I want to take a minute to explain. I don't believe this is the only way to learn astrology. This is what's worked for me and it's worked for people that I love or people that I have taught but is not the only way. Everybody has a different way of learning, and we'll talk about that in just a second. And all those ways are valid. But again, for the advanced section, get a mentor. If you think that you might want to become an astrologer yourself, it's a really good idea to learn from someone else who has experience. I did. I've done multiple um, astrological programs, and I did a mentorship in tarot and tarot business. Um, these things are really, really valuable. Astrology is an unusual trade, and it's really helpful to find someone who has actually done it before and can show you the ropes. You know, there's no, <laughs> there are, but because astrologers are all so different, it's really important to find someone that you gel with and that can help you identify where you want to go and pull you along, right? Um, also at the advanced level, and I mean this with all the love in the world, don't just get a mentor. I would recommend also getting a hobby. Here's what I mean by that. Astrology is so much fun that it's kind of addictive. There are endless rabbit holes to go down, but astrology is about understanding and experiencing the world, not just about understanding more astrological concepts. So ultimately, you have to go out and keep having experiences. Otherwise, what would you have to analyze, right? Um, no, really, though, it, it, if your goal is to be an astrologer one day as well, you'll have to differentiate yourself from the pack. And one way to do that is by being a whole person with lots of different interests. If I've learned anything on the internet, it's that if you're into something weird, probably there are other people that think it's cool too. So whatever that unusual interest is that you have, whether it's like The Witcher or <laughs> Deep Space Nine, there's so many other people that are going to see that on your feed and, and gravitate to you and be like, wow, 
you do that, me too. And then it's like an instant bond. So, you know, don't just do that for mercenary reasons. Do it because it's right to meet people in that authentic way and bond with folks who you share that real heart and soul connection with. Lastly, my advice is to always keep learning. If you ever get to a point where you think you don't need to advance your craft, that's probably a sign that you really need to advance your craft. Um, Always, this applies to everything, not just astrology, but stay humble and keep the curiosity that you had when you first started your practice. That'll take you incredibly far. Wow, that was a lot. We've covered tons of ground, but we're just now getting to my list of books and resources. This is by no measure a comprehensive list. This is just books that I happen to like and that I've found helpful in filling in gaps or that I tend to reference a lot. So A number one is Parker's Astrology. Tons of astrologers learned on Parker's Astrology. It's this big ass thick textbook. I found it when I was working at Barnes & Noble years ago in the bargain bin for $10 and I bought it. And if I had known how much it would change my life, like I don't know if I would have picked it up, but I'm so incredibly glad that I did. Um, And it's incredibly cool that there's a new edition coming out this September. So if you're new and you want to learn astrology, just get Parker's Astrology and sit with it. You'll probably disappear for like a month and emerge and be like, I'm an epistemist. It's amazing. Um, But yeah, do that one. Um, if you don't want to go to the textbook level quite yet, but you just want to have a little fun with it, Teresa Reed, also known as a tarot lady, wrote Astrology for Real Life, uh, which is a no BS workbook for learning astrology. Um, it is really wonderful. Um, it is incredibly grounded and like absolutely accurate while still being fun and like incredibly relevant. The examples that she picks are great and it it takes you through all of it from sun signs, moon signs, Venus, like all all the different planets in signs and houses as well as how to understand your transits um, and how to understand your horoscope. So that's a really, really lovely one. I can't recommend it highly enough. And it's not just because Teresa Reed was one of my mentors. It's because the book is wonderful. Um, Aspects in Astrology by Stu Tompkins is one of my favorite astrology books ever. So a lot of folks, I they've let me know that aspects are kind of a challenge when learning astrology. And they were for me too. I got the planets, the houses, the signs right away. But for some reason, maybe it's because aspects are more math. I just, it took a while to get there. But Sue Tompkins really makes the aspects come alive and helps you understand how they affect someone psychologically. Obviously, we are not psychologists. We're not mental health professionals. Um, But it can show you, aspects can show you with crystal clarity and a lot of depth um, the experiences that people have had in the past all the way to childhood or the reasons why people do what they do. So that's all I'll say. It's, it's, It's spooky accurate and... 10 out of 10 would read again. I reference it still all the time. For predictive astrology, if you're trying to learn how to understand what a retrograde or an eclipse is going to mean for you, things like that, The Art of Predictive Astrology by Carol Rushman is an excellent resource. And then Asteroid Goddesses by Demetra George, I will shout it from the rooftops again and again. 
if you want to learn about the asteroids. It's really one of the only solid research. I mean, she's the one who started it. Um, so go straight to the source and, and read Demetra George's Asteroid Goddesses. It, it talks about Ceres, Vesta, Juno, and Pallas Athena in the chart, which I definitely use in my readings, um, as well as some other asteroids. But if that's something you're interested in bringing into your practice, just start there. It's really, really wonderful. Um, if you're interested in planetary returns, like, um, you know, timing things out by your Venus return or lunar return or Mercury return, you know, every planet has a return phase. I really like identifying planetary triggers by Celeste Teal. Um, has a great section on learning your solar return. If your birthday is coming up, that's usually a lot of fun. It can be kind of dry, um, but it's worth it to be able to get that in-depth information. Um, finally, on the podcast front, I do recommend the astrology podcast. It is hard. It is for the hardcore astrologers in the room. Um, but if there's a topic that you want to know about, Google whatever the topic is and astrology podcast. Um, and for a more advanced look at that or a more historically based um, take on that or a more traditional astrology based take on it, um, it's free. There's hours and hours of it, and it can be a good starting point. I recently listened to the episode on Zodiacal Releasing that's like four hours long. Also, the astrology podcast episodes are long. They're like multiple hours, so set aside some time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do recommend that as a resource. Um, I may come to rue these words, but astrology Twitter. I have been so heartened by, in the last, I would say, year or two years, the wonderful influx of fresh voices and just outstanding talent into astrology Twitter. They are constantly talking about all things astrological, their own experiences, current transits, everything. And having that up-to-the-minute take on things is, is just really powerful. And, you know, if you're looking to connect with other people that are interested in astrology, it's how I got my start. I just... I made an account because I was I was by myself. Uh, it was ten years ago in South Carolina, and um, you know nobody talked about astrology. It was still viewed as satanic or something, and people had started to find out that I did it. And so I made uh, made an account, made a website because I wanted to meet other people who were into it and take control of that narrative. And show people that it, it wasn't all bad. In fact, it was quite a force for good. So it can be a good thing. Do take care of your mental health. Don't doom scroll, but consider it. Um, lastly, any book on mythology you can get your hands on that's like a primary source. So Homeric Hymns, Orphic Hymns, The Odyssey, um, Valens, and then of course all the mythology you can get your hands on everything. Um, from all cultures. Um, it's just going to deepen your understanding of how the planets and these energies have functioned in all civilizations and across time. It's my favorite part of the job, honestly. Um, I could do a whole other podcast on tarot and magical resources. Let me know if you want that or if that's something you're interested in. I'm never quite sure how spooky you want me to get on this podcast, so... If you want spooky, let me know, and I will bring the spooky. So, if you're trying to learn anything 
um, but especially astrology, there are points in the astrological chart that can tell you more about your learning style, like what you need to feel supported in that journey. Um, look to Mercury in your third house. Um, Mercury is the way you think, the way you express yourself, um, and ultimately the way you learn. So whatever sign and house and aspects Mercury has is going to really unveil in a very complete way how you might want to approach this knowledge acquisition process, right? Um, and the third house has a similar meaning. So the, the third house is more your voice, um, how you communicate, what sort of community you're looking for. So the um, sign that is on the third house cusp can really give you a place to go with it. For me, my third house is Aquarius, which it totally makes sense that I talk on the internet all the time about um, astrology and um, new religions and being bisexual and all those sorts of um, fringe things. Um, you know, if you have Aries as your third house, you're very outspoken and bold and want to be the first to say something. You see how this works. Um, and then Jupiter and the ninth house are associated with teachers and education. So if you do decide that you're looking for a teacher for anything, not just astrology, it's a great way to learn what kind of teacher you want. Do you want someone who's more like one-on-one -on -one pairing? Are you looking for group work? Are you looking for someone who is more visual or auditory or kinesthetic? And those two influences together can tell you, you know, what sorts of delivery methods might be best for you. Is it a Zoom call or is it a PDF worksheet? Um, it's kind of amazing that astrology can teach us all these things, but it's it's totally available to you if you look. So look up your Mercury in third house and Jupiter in ninth house and um, get at me. Let me know what it says. So again, if you decide to look for a teacher, I have some do's and don'ts of what to look for and what to avoid. Um, I definitely had to find these things out the hard way on my own. And so I want to share so that you don't have to. The really lovely thing, though, is there's so much out there. It's both a blessing and a curse, but I have no doubt that you'll be able to find really powerful and wonderful resources and mentors to guide you along the way if you decide that's the way you want to go. Again, I put that at the advanced stage at this point. That's if you want to maybe become an astrologer or just you're in a place where astrology is super important to you and you want to like ground your practice even more. So... I notice it's kind of the same as looking for a graduate school program. So it, ultimately, teachers are going to have their own specialties. So make sure that the teacher you want to work with practices the kind of astrology you want to learn. So I am definitely a specialist in asteroids. Um, I like doing solar returns and progressions. Um, my process is very um, mythological and magic based, um, but maybe you're looking for someone who teaches more traditional astrology or electional astrology or horary astrology, something like that. There's so many different kinds. Like, I would not be a fit for you if that was what you were looking for. I know about them um, enough to do them, but it's, it's not my area of expertise. So it's like the same as grad school. If you find a professor, you got to find the right professor to want to take you on. Um, also, ask the teacher that you're considering studying with questions about their practice directly, and they should be happy to answer. Now, there are some high-demand teachers that 
might not be able to respond to every single person. They might be more, you know, um, just like a quick download type thing. But if you are looking for more one-on-one instruction, you're going to want to hear a response, right? Or you should at least be able to go to their website and find out, which is my next point. Look at the teacher's website. How long have they been practicing for? Where did they learn from? Do they have bylines or testimonials or other indicators of experience to back up what they're claiming? Because they should. You know, it's wonderful that we've had all kinds of folks joining the astrology business recently, but there are people at all different levels. So you want to make sure that you find someone who's a match for you. Um, also, as far as the don'ts, don't go to someone who's making you wild promises about a six-figure income in a month or maybe using the word abundance at all. I'm kidding, of course, but astrology is freelance work, which means it's going to take time to build up your practice. And also, lots of astrologers have different ways to make money as well. Like maybe they do some consulting, some writing, some collaborations, and maybe a podcast. Um, you know, there's usually more than one thing going into that pot of money and you want to make sure that, you know, that person isn't just promising you something that can't actually be achieved or will be achieved, but through perhaps five to 10 years of strong, consistent work. You know, people, this is a mystical field and people use mystical language to sway folks and it's really gross. So know your budget Um, And do invest in quality astrological teachings and teachers, but don't do it at expense to your well-being, right? Astrology education is an investment, but you have to know your budget and take care of you first. And don't listen to someone who's trying to sway you or push your boundaries. Finally, watch out for ego. (laughs) The teacher should always be excited that their student is advancing and not threatened, but I have known situations where the reverse has occurred, and so, you know, you want someone who's going to clap for you when you win, right? I definitely want to clap for you when you win, so. Um, Lastly, look out for scholarships. Not everybody offers scholarships, but most places, access is important, and there will be different price points or ways to work with folks, maybe one-on-one partnership wouldn't work, but the um, downloadable program is less expensive and that could work. Or maybe they could do a payment plan for you. You know, talk if access is an issue, talk to that person and see what options are available or talk to a knowledgeable astrologer and see if they can direct you to some opportunities. So now seems as good a time as any to say that I am going to be offering astrology, mentoring, and apprenticeship services and I'm really excited about it. I've worked with um, a student or two behind the scenes quietly but it's never been something that I offered to the public Um, but I'm there and I'm ready to do it. So there will be one-off mentoring sessions um, as well as a longer apprenticeship option. Um, The mentoring sessions would be maybe there's just some quicker astrological concept that you're trying to grasp. I can work with you there or you're just starting to get your practice off the ground. The longer apprenticeship is for someone who really wants to either commit deeply to astrology as a practice or like potentially learn to do it on their own as a practicing astrologer for other people. 
um, for the apprenticeship, you do have to apply or inquire by email, which I promise is as much for you as it is for me. I want to make sure we're a good match. Um, obviously, we'll be spending a considerable amount of time together, and I want to make sure that I can offer you what you want um, and give you the astrological education that you're really hoping for. I'm also a tarot reader and a witch and trained in many different magical traditions, so if you are interested in those things or having those things intertwined with your astrology teachings, I can do that as well. Um, just hit me up and let me know. We can, we can talk about that too. Finally, we made it to the end. I feel like we've covered so much ground, and if you've made it this far, honestly, just thank you. But to close the episode out, I want to come back to talking about what astrology is and give you some ways to conceptualize it that have been helpful to me. So I've recently been thinking about the idea of astrology as a symbolic language. So all things in astrology, whether it's the glyph for an astrological sign or the chart itself, um, or just the word Scorpio, are kind of a form of conjuration magic, right? You, you speak that word Scorpio or you say, I'm such a Scorpio. And I mean, it operates like any other word. It conjures up all of these images of, of the words associated with that. So maybe jealousy or power or sexuality or the taboo or the subconscious, right? In the word Scorpio, there are whole words contained and conjured up. And I think that is really one of the greatest powers that astrology has. Um, in the book, A Brief History of Ancient Astrology by Roger Beck, he says, ancient astrology is rested on the widely held premise that the heavens are meaningful in the sense of being full of meaning. The stars may or may not cause, but they surely do signify. And I think that's it. That sums it up so beautifully. So as a new astrologer, there's this moment where you glance at a chart and it just speaks to you. It's like reading your first word. You don't have to sound it out anymore. You just know what the word means and how to put it into context. And honestly, you can break that down. Astrology and the process of learning it is full of those little moments. Maybe it's the first time you see the glyph for Scorpio and don't have to search your brain files to <laughs> figure out what that means. You just know. Astrology is a language, and I think that's why having quality education in it matters, because you want to make sure that you are fluent in it and really understand the meaning of what you're trying to say so you can express yourself beautifully and help others express themselves beautifully too. Finally, I think of astrology as an opportunity for compassion. I think there's this tenderness to looking at someone else's natal chart. You see all of them, the strengths and the weaknesses, like the whole picture. It's revealing and vulnerable. And in the right hands, they can see your childhood trauma, your kinks, your bully from the third grade that you still secretly believe is right, the desire you've never acted on but so desperately want to. There are things in your natal chart that you may have never spoken aloud to another human, but given the right skill set, a complete stranger could know with crystal clarity. But, you know, if we look beyond that super tempting capacity of the birth chart to read everybody for filth, the complexity there can give you just the opposite. The ability to have compassion, both for those around you and for yourself. 
Its form is a reminder that we all live under the same stars and are ultimately made of the same stuff, though we might be aligned in different ways. You can see that the tough parent is doing the very best they can and that that usually impeccable friend who hasn't been there for you is going through something unspeakable behind the scenes. Or even that you should be a little gentler with yourself given the current cosmic circumstances. If you extend that same vulnerability to love, the possibilities for connection with astrology are endless. You recognize that it isn't so much that there's one perfect person out there for you, but millions of little touch points between you and the people in your life. A world of love lessons to learn. If your moon lines up with their Saturn, maybe they're more of a tough love mentor to you than an inspiring guru. Or if your Jupiter links up to their Venus, maybe your meetings are these bon vivant tours of wherever you're staying, even if it's just the living room of your fourth story walk up. The thing is that understanding that every relationship has something new and beautiful to offer is a profound one. And what a relief! You no longer have to banish every Gemini from your social circle because one hurt you one time. Nor do you have to date only Libras because for just a moment, they made you feel butterflies in your stomach. It's all so much more complex than that, and so are you. And you can spend the rest of your life examining, exploring, and excavating those complexities, both within your partnerships and within yourself. And that's it. That's why we study astrology. To love each other, to speak better, and just to have fun. Don't forget that all this is supposed to be fun. We take it so seriously these days, but... What is astrology if not a good time? So that's everything. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. I sincerely hope this helped you. And I wish you all the best on your astro astrological journey. If you do want more resources for that journey, you can head over to patreon.com slash badastro or go on social media and go to at badastrologers um and and join us join the growing community of mystics that we have there's so much there you get um exclusive forecasts exclusive horoscopes terascopes bonus episodes we do a lot and we'd love to have you and again if you're interested in learning from me go to ameliaquint.com and check it out i love you very much and i hope you have a wonderful week bye